Have you? Um, on an entirely <laughs> unrelated, uh, but related to what we're here to talk about, um, thing, I entirely forgot about the whole other part of the podcast where we're supposed to be talking about games that have... Like, oh, yeah, this is the second yeah. half. This and is the second I, half. I've, you can't just talk I've about just Raz the whole nothing. time. Um, you are playing the game. Oh, yeah, sure. No, like, I've got that. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Player 2 Pixcast episode 67. I am your host, Tim Henderson, and I will be again, as of every other episode, leading the charge this week. However, good news, we have fresh, or at least fresh-ish voices. This is going to be a slightly different sounding show, and I think it's going to be better for it. First up, a man who is actually excited about the topic. I'm very um, grateful for that. Um, Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I hope you're all doing great as well. Doing all right? Keep in mind that Rob is in Melbourne, so him doing great for like the last year and a half is a phenomenal feat in and of itself. <laughs> yes, very much. I mean, love that city, did not envy your predicament at all, though. I won't say anything else to incriminate myself <laughs> on the air. Um, yeah. Also joining us, we have the... I'm going to just stick with what I said in the email. The, our ray of sunshine. Oh, thank you. Jess, you're Hi. here. You're, you're, you're right, and you, you actually do. It's like beaming down from your roof. That light is incredible. Yeah, it's. you think it would be warmer um, with the, the light that it's giving off. But yeah, it's it's bright in here. Um, but thank you. Yes, hi, hello. I am here. I'm happy to be here. Excited. Yeah, and just yeah. I'm, I'm actually excited to hear Jess talk, but we're got, she's, got, she's got the big one, like probably the, maybe the game that I'm most excited about this entire year. So we're going to like push her to the like very back That's fair. of the opening section. But still before our um, little topic about kind of just contextualizing abilities within a game's world and it's fiction or whatnot. Um, but before that, of course, do calm, you know, just games, ideally games that you can play now. And Rob, I believe you're playing some very um, kind of quite cutesy and actually quite um, adorable looking I want to say Trine-like game, but I'm not really sure. Um, am, I, am I pronouncing it right by saying Griak? It's, from what I understand, it's Greek-like freak. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I saw it's just on the, the... I think it's just the writing's weird, actually. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a bit of a weird thing. So, I'm playing Greek Memories of Azua. I don't... I, that's how I presume it's pronounced. You don't hear it spoken. Um... So for context as well, Paul's already done a P2 plays of it. I'm actually playing to do a write-up, um... <laughs> which are slightly delayed because um, turns out it's only my only my only choice would have been would have been Switch but I thought oh it's on PlayStation thought it was going to be on PS4 because it was on Xbox One and, and Series and turns out it's only on PS5 and so I asked for PlayStation Code thinking it was going to cover PS4 and it didn't oh, so, wow. so I had to buy the PS5 to play it um, <laughs> oh yeah that that's exactly what happened <laughs> yeah that is the best enablement story enablement story i've heard in a while just not 100 yeah, that's amazing <laughs> no i thought you're gonna have to like go back up in hand saying because i mean i'm looking at it on steam right now and i fully understand why you would think there'd be a ps4 version yeah because on switch and if i'd known i would have asked for sw- for a switch code i would have gotten huso to get me a switch code um but here we are. <laughs> that he like cost you but I didn't, what, $900 I felt bad those things cost because <laughs> like it was my screw up. So because of that, I thought I would have felt bad going back. So I was lucky that one Australian retailer, um, basically one independent retailer based in New South Wales, did their allotment post on a Friday morning, and I've just gone like, well, forget about it. Let's just do it. Yeah. Problem solved. That's amazing. So 
<laughs> That's better than my PS5 acquisition story. I love this so much. Mine's actually all right. <laughs> well, uh, I, look, mine yeah. was a whole like four-person operation. It came from Queensland to me with the help of like three steps along the way. It was truly a mammoth play. Yeah, I got mine weapon. by accident. Nice. <laughs> How? Yeah, a yeah. friend just messaged saying, "Hey, they're here at this store today. Yeah. I'm getting a PS5 for Golden Week," and Andrew's uh, just like, "Do you want one?" <laughs> And that was during my self-imposed lockdown, so I wasn't leaving the house. I hadn't been to an electronic store in a year. Mm -hmm. I originally said no, and then I thought about it. I was like, if I regret this, I could sell it for at least as much as I'm paying for. Yeah, for sure. So then I said yes, and then I paid her like a thousand or two thousand yen extra to drop it off at my house, and then I had a PS5. Amazing. Alright, so we all have weird stories. Back to the game! <laughs> Back to the game. But yeah, so it's it's got that, like, you've got the multi-character thing, which is where Trine, or me being old, I think of Lost Vikings... Um, which is one of its really cool aspects and one of its more frustrating aspects because what happens is you've got this this mimic mode and so you're holding down the the l2 trigger or you can hold it or toggle it thank goodness it's an option but it defaults to holding it down and when you do that you've got to be in range of the other characters and then they all follow you but they've all got slightly different movement speeds and slightly different oh, jump no. arcs it's not by much but like I'm, I'm maybe about halfway to 60% of the way through, so I've only found one of the other characters. I'm still no. <laughs> like, that would be fine if it weren't for the proximity thing. Yeah. But it gets it gets really fiddly with the jumping. And also, like, so the first boss fight I had to do, you're on this platform, and there's no safe spot for the characters. You've got to basically bunch them together and attack. And, I, like, it's sort of the thing because... <laughs> It, it was really frustrating, it, and it was a fairly simple boss fight, but it was like, each character's at the point where I am at the moment, they've only got four hit points, and you can only see the hit points of the active character. Oh, wow. And so, when you're bunched up, if you oh. get, if you, like, if your second character gets hit and killed, then it's game over. But you don't know that they're yes. at their last hit point, because the warning, like, the the pulsing, which which is a cool effect, it does a nice, you know, it's using the oh, haptics got, of the... That's, that's your... <laughs> That's your dual dual sense experience right there is dying. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, so that that's that's actually pretty cool, but you don't know the other character is in danger until you keep flipping through. And there's moments oh, where he no. drops the it drops the hold. Like if you bring your inventory up, it drops the hold, and you've oh. got to re re toggle again. Oh, it's it's like. I it's I want to like pause this for a second because like, it's a shame this is not a video thing because if you imagine somebody like with a really bad eye twitch mm. now just imagine Robbie's doing that except somehow it's his neck and not his eye he's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like where he's at with trying to like get his head and words around what is happening to him because the thing is I love the game aesthetically I love the soundtrack it, it, it looks gorgeous it's, it is the backgrounds are amazing like they're hand painted it's beautiful the, the, the aesthetics of the game is amazing and so much of the stuff works really well, but it's like the management of the characters needed to be refined that bit more, and it'd be perfect. Like, I, I, I feel really positively about the game, but this thing just makes it potentially frustrating for people to pick up on. Um, like, it, it really drove me nuts during one of the boss battles. So the, the second of the boss battles I had to fight, I just got rid of the... I just hid the second character, and I just used my main character. Because of the... Because... Having to deal with the, the different jumps, especially if the this boss does this charging attack that you've got to jump over, and it's just like no. And especially when it gets to its second phase, 
like it does that really fast it's just like I couldn't manage two characters over it. So I'm going to get like really retro here. And is this like trying to get the Chaos Emeralds? It's like the Hedgehog 2 on the Mega Drive when you have Tails behind you and he always jumps like half a second later and keeps on getting hit by the friggin' spikes every yeah, single time. I would, I would say that it's not quite as big a gap, but it's just, it's just enough to be frustrating. Because like your main character does like two normal jumps. So you jump and can jump again. The the first character you rescue here, the, his sister, she does this sort of jump and float thing. So she jumps and then she's got it like sort of it's like magic power, her magical power, and she could sort of float and sort of go up a bit, but it's slower and it's like at a different arc. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to really be careful. For the for the bulk of the exploration and the puzzling, stuff works really well. It, it It's very nice. But it's just like, particularly when you get to the boss battles, it starts getting, it starts getting kind of frustrating. I really wish it had a co-op mode. Because if, if you could sit there and have a friend with you, it would be amazing. Yeah, it sounds like really ready for a co-op mode. It sounds perfect. Yeah, it really. I was that was going to be my first question: is does this have multiplayer? No, it doesn't. It's just like I would love like even just couch co-op. This game would have been perfect for it. But yeah, it's it's a game I really enjoy, and I think the review the review is definitely a positive one. I, I recommend it, but it's got caveats um, that I think you know. It's worth knowing going in. Just enough of a... Ca- like, I've been several games I've played where it's like, I was really enjoying this game, and then you just get to this one bit, it's like, I have to test my tolerance mm. to finish this turd so I can get back to the fun bit, and it's really frustrating yeah. when you just get these little hookups. Yeah, and that that was the boss battles for me. Um, but otherwise, like, it's it's definitely one I'm really enjoying. Um, but yeah, it's just... I, I Like, I was just playing it a little earlier this evening. I had dinner, I had a quick play to try and get a bit further, and it's just like... Uh, play for like... 45 minutes and it's like okay i'm gonna put this out because i'm gonna start raging again so yeah hopefully the full review my full write-up should be up on the site in probably a, a week or so Pro- uh, yeah i'm probably not long after this show goes live if we're lucky yeah I mean, so it's available pretty, now it, though i think yeah it's out it's out everywhere well steam um xbox um xbox one series x and, and ps5 and switch it's all there there's also a demo available i be- definitely saw that on the switch eShop. Um, I think it might be on Steam as well. I'm not sure about the yeah, Xbox is. and PlayStation. So it's definitely worth a try. Um, and if you dig it, then then yeah, definitely then definitely get it. Just yeah, give it a go. It, do- it looks like it's what like twenty thirty bucks depending on system, I guess. Yeah, and it's even it even got physical copies as well for those who do, do delve in the physical side of things. Oh damn! You're like hurting my 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 segue instincts, but I am going to like shove. I want just lost. I want her to have like the big spotlight. Ah. Uh. Um, it's fine. Just put it but on. But yeah, just, like just keep getting it in the getting back even mind. cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, getting getting even cheaper though. Um, I something like guess this is a weird game to talk about on this podcast when half Australia's in lockdown at the moment because it would be a perfect commute game, like just a trip there and a trip back and you'd be done. Which is like finally after Google was like, please, please spend money on our store. Here's two dollars credit. I was like, if I add another two dollars to this, I can buy Florence. And I've been meaning to play this game for like four or five years now. It's been out for a while. Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, it it is actually very good. Although I caveat is, it's probably best to think of it more as like a mostly wordless interactive comic than it is traditionally as a game. Yeah. I agree. Um, and to be fair, it's priced like a comic book, so that seems reasonable enough to me. I have, but it is like it's just. There you go. Yes. No, no. This is your. This is your game. It is just. You can ask questions. You you can have played it. I mean, it is very short. I don't think it took me much more than an hour. I think I actually played it in four or five sittings, but I, I do think this is something you'd kick, like kill in one day. 
it would probably best be ideal, like, I said, like, half, half plate, the first half of the way to work, the second half of the way back would probably be the most ideal way to approach this. Yeah. But, like, just aesthetically, um, both visually and musically, like, the soundtrack is amazingly, yeah. amazingly um, composed. Well done. It is literally just a very simple story about this kind of young girl getting into her first... You can tell I'm getting old. I just called a 25-year-old a girl. <laughs> <laughs> getting into her first relationship. And the way I'm kind of, like, thinking about it is the mechanics, even within, like, kind of visual novelty kind of stuff, they're, like, a little bit different. It's maybe best... I think they're not so much about, like, trying to progress the story. In fact, I think they've actually come out and said they really want the story to, like, go in one direction. They kind of did not want too much choice. You do have some conversations, or you can actually maybe skip them with your mother that I don't know. Maybe make some very small changes. I'm not um, completely sure. But it seems that um, mechanics themselves are more to do with just adding to, like, the feel and the emotion and the theme of the scene. And, like, kind of just connecting it to you more. Um, and sometimes they're almost meaningless. It's just like kind of little crafty things to do. Sometimes they're really clever. Um, they do this a couple of times. They mix it up. But the first time it happens is really cute. So you go on your first date. It is mostly kind of an in and out of love story. Um, and all it does with the mechanic, and it's beautiful. It like, just gets the point across so well, is a speech bubble appears. And then it's your turn to talk. And it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And I know there's like eight pieces. And you're going to kind of like shove them together. And then that happens, and you've got another jigsaw puzzle, and you go and go again until you realize that you've been given fewer and fewer pieces each time. And it just kind of communicates the way that, the, obviously, the conversation between the young couple has just gotten easier and more natural as that night has gone on. And it just, like, brings that home, like, in just like a chef's kiss, kind of just beautifully spot-on kind of way. It's one of the most memorable game mechanics I think I have ever played. Like, it's, it really stuck with me. I thought it was the cleverest way to get that across. When I first played it. It was... Because it was simultaneously about words without using words. It's like everything that I love about, like, visual storytelling. It was so good. Um, they do revisit that, and it's never quite as powerful the second time, but they do mix it up. Like, it's not for the same thing. Yeah. No, my, my only real gripe is... I, I won't say I actually think it's too short, but, but at the same time I think it ends, like, a little bit too abruptly. I've... That could be my own thing. I, was just like, I kind of expected to experience more of this young woman's life... Like, it kind of, like, it really, don't go um, in expecting anything more than this, like, one chapter. That's pretty quick. But it's, you know, impactful. But it's pretty quick. It's impactful, it's really nice, it's touching, it's very well produced. It's worth the money. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. It's worth the money to have a mobile game that doesn't, like, give you daily rewards and, like, use its own virtual currency or anything. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. I guess a really nice, yeah. Sweet little story. Digital only. Just like I've recently apparently learned Psychonauts 2. Is it? Yeah, I was reading that today. I, I need to verify that, but like that is just mind blow to me. I'm like, what? Oh, okay. There you go. I mean, I knew its main I... deal was Game Pass, but digital only? It's buried on a PlayStation store. I had to like actively search for it yeah. to see if it was there. I imagine maybe that's intentional. That might be a... Oh, I yeah, know, I mean... thing. But yes, yeah, feeling your segue into Psychonauts 2. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes, yeah, yep. Um, I feel like it's been, uh, I want to say, a week and a couple of days since I finished Psychonauts 2, and since I finished, I have wanted to do nothing but talk about Psychonauts 2, and I feel like I'm just, I'm just like this preacher, just walking around, just handing out pamphlets now, just like, hello, have you heard about our Lord and Saviour, Psychonauts? Um, 
And, you know... I'm sure... <laughs> I am sure people would appreciate getting something about this weirdly creative strange thing as opposed to the vaccines... Oh, yeah, for everybody. sure. So, it just you know. feels like kind of a nice nice <laughs> reprieve from the world right now. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, it's amazing. So the first one... I mean, the first one had a really, really strong cult following. And... Um, it's, you know, it's an amazing game and it's based yep. around amazing themes. So I feel like I want to put the same caveat at the beginning of this conversation, um, that I put at the beginning of my review, which is I studied psychology. So I have a background in being like a which brain nerd. Um, makes you be actually like uniquely the perfect person <laughs> to have been given this review as much as I think you so really yeah. wanted it, but because of this weird bet that happens within the site itself, he literally locked himself out at the beginning he did, of the year. And it's kind of funny because last year I picked Psychonauts too. <laughs> Um, so he almost didn't, and then I, oh, yeah, snap. it got delayed, and how the tables have turned. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, so yeah, obviously it's a sort of concept that, uh, interests me, because I'm so interested in the mind, and, um, individual differences between people, and how people think differently, and, um, how they, you know, perceive the world differently, and I guess what's important to different people, and where their focus kind of goes. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's a super interesting concept, um, and I liked the first game. Um, I don't. It's probably controversial to say that I didn't like a hundred percent adore it. Um, I feel like I wanted it. It was rough around. Yeah, the edges. It, it was rough around the edges, and I think it still kind of relied on some sort of tropey things that um, often come up when people are talking about um, mental health and things to do with psychology, which is like, oh, you know, we'll um, we'll set a level in an asylum and we'll make some jokes that are like yeah, mostly good and mostly in the right kind of. Um, kind of vain, I guess, um, but that sometimes just didn't quite land right with me. Um, I mean, on the other hand, that game came out in 2005, it did. and it's like just the general sure. so social consciousness around this stuff sure, has sure. shifted a lot in that like, last oh, 15 yeah, years. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I just, like, as a person who kind of thought about this stuff a lot, I guess, and the general social conscience has, you know, um, changed a lot since then, and I'm, like, really happy about that. Um, but I think when I played it, I was still a little bit conscious of, like, oh, something about this doesn't feel, like, as good as it could be, I guess. Like, it feels like all of the, the bones are there, like, everything to mm. make this amazing is there. Um, but I wanted it to be a little bit more than what it was. Um, so I, I kept my bar really low going into Psychonauts 2 because, I mean, it's had so long and there was so much hype and, I don't know, I just I just wanted to, like, keep my expectations in check. Um, but, oh, oh, it's like, it's like Psychonauts 2 is just everything that the first one was trying to be, but just so much better. Like, it's, it's so much more polished. It's so much more mature. Like, everything lands better. I feel like they've put more thought into gen, like, genuinely trying to represent, um, different things that people might experience. Things like trauma and addiction and all of these, like, really serious, um, uh, mental health kind of issues and concerns in society that um, should be explored and are interesting to explore um, and they've actually done it in a way that is super respectful and super interesting and it's like not ham-fisted but it doesn't shy away from exploring things and um, yeah it's just it's just generally amazing <laughs> um, it seems like a thing that Double Fine was uniquely, uniquely positioned to be able to pull off yeah what makes you say that? Yeah, I feel like there are other studios that could be um, as well-meaning. Mm. I think just like the history like of Tim mm. Schafer, in particular, like a lot of his work, and I think him listening yeah. 
to people and like the way he handled Gamergate he was one of the very few like notable people who were out there just going but, to put it bluntly but, just very shy of saying no fuck yeah. you guys um he's a bit more witty <laughs> yeah. about it than that though well I mean <laughs> that's the thing is that it's but you've got that level of crazy imagination genius writer and a willingness yeah. to listen and like try and take to heart like oh maybe I was a little bit mm. tone deaf there I, he'd seen I think possibly also in the hiring practices of, of that yeah. studio it's really really that they've like taken all that to heart yeah and then... it's really really clear that they have listened um, and that they've looked at what they had and they haven't necessarily changed what they're doing at its core it's all very much um, the same sort of stuff that I think they were trying to achieve with the first one it's just that because they've they've listened to a more diverse range of voices and I think that they've paid more attention to experts in the field um of, of mental health that I think that they've been able to achieve so much more than they could before. Um, and I mean, yeah, a lot of, it shares a lot of things with the first one. The platforming is the same. Like I, I also obviously love these sorts of, um, you know, does it feel any better? I think so. It's, it's weird. Cause I'm actually weirdly excited about a platformer mm. because of its themes and its storytelling. That's not what you've been <laughs> into a platformer for. Um, I th- but yeah, how yeah, does it I feel? Think so. I think it feels better. Um, it felt less clunky than the first one. Um, I think the new powers handle quite nicely. There are new powers in the in the new one that, um, uh, like a mental connection thing where you kind of fly through people's thoughts and you like connect them together, and um, that's just one example. But um, yeah, it it feels neater. I think the powers allow you to investigate the world in kind of interesting ways. Um, I before it came out, I started replaying a bit of the first one just because I wanted to be able to compare them, you know, with kind of fresh-ish experience from, mm. from both of them. Um, and I found myself getting much more frustrated with the original one than I felt at any point with the um, the new one. So, is that like a camera improvement or difficulty? Camera curve? improvement. I think I think the combat is cleaner. Um, I yeah, I definitely felt it was more responsive. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It just feels like a little bit of everything. It just feels like they took everything from the first one and just amped it up a little bit. Um, and like tightened everything up a little bit. Um, I think there were a lot of times where I felt like, um, I was finding it really difficult in sections and I was like, I don't understand how they could possibly make me like expect me to to make this maneuver like i don't i don't understand how this platforming could happen um and then i would realize like no i'm wrong the platforming is fine what the game wants me to do is fine it's just that <laughs> i have been over engineering this problem massively um so so maybe like a slight gold posting um, issue maybe not there's always going to be somebody who overthinks oh, right yeah. <laughs> um i think it was just me not thinking laterally enough i guess at um certain points and me kind of getting so caught up in one power that I would forget, like, oh, I can carry things with my mind. That would be really helpful at this point in time. Um, oh, that happens in so many yeah. games where, like, if it's a, it must yep. be a development nightmare to, like, make sure people are using these different things just enough so that they yeah. remember that they have this ability at the right time. And it's time. usually pretty good with it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the problem is, though, that there are kind of ways that you can approach different situations that mean you can get just far enough with the wrong power that you start to think like, oh no no, I can do yeah. it if I keep just just pushing, um, but you cannot. Um, I cannot think of examples right now, but I've definitely like kind of brute forced the wrong techniques <laughs> yeah. through some yep. games in the past. Yeah, yeah, same experience. Mm. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, it, I mean, and it was it was fine because it never happened for very long. I was never to the point where I was super super frustrated. Um, so yeah, I have largely only extremely positive things to say about about Psychonauts two. Which is great. I never I never played the first, and I watched a friend of mine stream the first fairly recently, oh, and she definitely had a bit of frustration playing through. So I was sort of a bit concerned of like it's a relief that the second seems a lot smoother to play and like do you feel that you could go in not having like played the first and not really suffer because i know some games do you know fan servicey refs references and things like that to yeah to throw back to a prequel i mean a lot of the characters are new um some of them aren't so some of them are like the core characters from the first one and they carry through and it you know kind of helps provide some context for um the main character raz and why he's there and he's helping out the psychonauts and kind of where he came from um, but at the beginning of the game, there's like this little video that tells you kind of like a previously on Psychonauts kind of thing that tells you the whole story oh, nice. of how he got there. Um, and it also tells the story of um, the Psychonauts and the Rhombus of Ruin, which was like a VR um, title that came out in between um, uh, that I think yeah. they were pretty aware that not that many people like will have played. I'm sure they um, had a sales yeah. <laughs> So yeah. it gives you, even if you did play the first one, it gives you that little bit of context to catch up in that middle bit as well. Um, so Especially yeah, I if, think you, know, you absolutely someone could. not like you replaying it just before. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't replay the whole thing. I only replayed like a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, you absolutely could go in and it, it catches you up, and it's like this is. I've heard that that um, recap video is actually super delightful. It is. I think it may actually just be on YouTube yeah, as well. Yeah, um, that's always good. It is. I'm I'm pretty sure, and it's yeah, it's lovely. Like the art style of it is really cool. Um, it's. I would recommend watching it, even if you decide that you don't want to play it. Um, but well, if I remember, I will find a YouTube link cool. and put that in the show notes. That's a good plan. Because um, yeah, big, it's lovely. Big asterisk there. If I remember, mm-hmm. I'll send you the link and see if it helps. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely you could jump into it if you hadn't played the first one. It's nice to have played the so first one to have awesome. that context, what? but it's not essential. Yeah, when, sure. So I'm guessing when you were replaying, you're like replaying on PC because yes. I played it way back on PS2 back in the day, and then many years later, which is still like now quite distantly in the past, again on PC, and it was way smoother. Like I, I guess the PS2 version in particular was actually quite mm, chunky. Yeah, I did. So even like with that, it's still quite a bit yeah. smoother. Um, yeah. Were you playing on Siri? What were you playing on for the review? Uh, PC, but with an Xbox controller. So, yeah. Yep. Um. So I have like a like a gaming laptop. I don't know, and it ran it quite quite smoothly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the minimum specs are pretty yeah. generous. It's like a 1050, which I think even like a 780 or whatever would like be comparable with the processor. Yeah. Requirements pretty low. I'm mostly curious, I guess, again about the um, PlayStation and Xbox divide here, which <laughs> we're not going to get answers on after Microsoft kind of. Mm. I mean, it was a PC, but kind of swooped in and bought the, the micro- Microsoft store, so it was like a Microsoft code. Game Pass. Well, though. yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, it was just a yeah, like a Game Pass code I, that got I, unlocked early, kind of thing. Yeah, my, I mean, my guess is that this probably enhanced for Series X, but not for PS5. But I haven't really seen a whole bunch of yeah, I'm not sure stuff about that around. Um, yeah, that anyone to be very curious about cons because I I will definitely want yes. to play this this year, and I'm like, my PC is above minimum spec, but I also have a PS5, which is more powerful mm. than my PC. But is the PS5 version really going to actually take advantage of that, or is it like... Yeah, yeah. Mm. Torn. <sighs> I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. Torn. I wish torn. I did. Nope. 
Maybe I never will. Maybe maybe this is what'll make me give that Game Pass a trial ago. Yeah. Who knows? That's pretty good. I'm be a pretty fan good of Game reason. Pass. Never expected to be, but here I am. Good think. Yeah. Good think. Always, always thought I'd wait until I actually got myself like a PC that was more than like just mm. good enough. But yeah, that's good. Whatever. I am very, very pleased to hear that Psychonauts two, and it doesn't seem to be just you. I think you're in the higher end. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It seems that there are very good vibes going for this yeah. game around, and hopefully, I guess I don't know how much Game Pass will affect this, but hopefully those sales are better in the first game because the first game sales yeah. were, I believe, actually they were, and then it got kind of a cult following. It got a little bit better, but they weren't great. They were not. They were not great fig- um, figures. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I was I, depressing. For I was such a little bit stressed because I was game. like, I love this so much, and what if it's actually terrible but i just i love it so much for some reason and i don't know. just go with i mean i feeling. did I, I... I embraced it i was like i don't care i'm just gonna be this game's number one fan then it's just gonna be how it is um but then yes it actually came out and i saw everybody else's reviews and feelings it's, too and they all seem to it's agree it's great yeah i three years ago now i think gave neo automata um a nine out of ten mm-hmm. for hyper and like i actually still regret that i think i was trying to suppress mm. the inner fanboy of the original game a little bit too much like no that game deserved a perfect score yeah. and i was just trying to not be too much of an unfair yeah. gusher you know i um, gave it an a plus and then afterwards matt was like it's only the fourth a plus we've ever given out i was like well i didn't know that um but i don't regret it <laughs> so <laughs> so i'm sticking with it whatever it's like on us too it's really good plus or no plus it's the same on metacritic as a regular rate i yeah. think anyway yeah for sure scores are they dumb are. um with that note, when we come back, we will be on board, probably larger with Psychonauts, about kind of like abilities and things he's doing games and the way that all logically ties into the world and doesn't make sense or doesn't not all whatever. But first, I desperately need a cup of water. we're back and we're probably going to talk about psychonauts again based on <laughs> anything uh, you might not but i mean psychonauts had actually a lot to do with um this topic which is to say basically like your abilities and what you can do in a game and like everything kind of tying itself together into the world and kind of making coherent sense um and it goes back actually a very long way i have this weirdly muddled history with psychonauts where i never played it initially and only bought the ps2 copy a bit later but then in the hay- one of the heydays of hyper I feel like I interviewed Tim Schafer like three different times. That's awesome. So Where did you times... drop that into conversation? <laughs> it, yeah, one of those times it got like really weird and like the internet dropped out and we ended up speaking on the phone for like ages. Wow. Um, so I've lost track of everything, but I remember him talking about like wanting to move away from adventure games and get into like direct character control. Actually, you think this is maybe to do with Grim, Grim Fandango, which obviously moved to a keyboard. And like, but also like trying to contextualize things, which is maybe where this comes in from. So, with regards to Psychonauts, I think he had to put a lot of thought into what you collect 
and that's how you end up getting things like emotional baggage. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like in that game, everything, all the power ups and all the stuff you collect is very thought through. The example I think he gave at the time was like um, Donkey Kong. Why am I? Why am I jumping around? Why am I collecting on bananas? And I guess I'm a monkey, so I've just answered my own question. I feel like he probably used that example with a few people, <laughs> not just me. But it did strike me as something that I have actually noticed, like consistently with his work, and I think Double Fine's in general, is that they're actually really good at like tying everything, like the game world and the logic and the fiction, all makes sense within itself. Obviously, it's still a video game, and none of these really apply to real world <laughs> physics or situations. Um. That kind of got me thinking about, like, how some other stuff... A lot of stuff, like, starts... And, like, one... Like, one example, and then it gets thrown in the ether. So, one I was thinking about was, um... For example, like, think about regenerating health. Which I think probably... Basically originated, or at least probably became popular because of Halo. And in Halo, it kind of made sense, because, you know, you're this sci-fi super soldier. You're walking around in a suit that is basically a miniature spaceship... In a human in a human shape, so of course, like you know, shields up, shields down, whatever, and it sort of made sense that you had a shield that would like kind of power down as it took like laser fire, whatever, and then power back up again, and that was logical, and you could see how that worked. But immediately following that, every single game with any kind of dude in it, so every suddenly, game. In, like. I mean, a health pack is not completely logical, but at least it's like a mental loop there. Of course, okay, injured, there's a bandage in there. That's how you deal with injuries. It went, We went from that to hide behind this bundle of rocks for five to ten seconds, and all of the gunfire will magically become better. And, like, the best excuses we got was, like, I think Uncharted, they tried to, like, nobody bought this because they kind of had the screen going red as their warning, but they used to try to, I think they tried to explain it by saying, no, no, he's not being hit, that's his luck right now. <laughs> actually makes sense within the characteristics of Uncharted, but your screen was getting redder and redder and redder when it was happening. What? Okay. <laughs> you clearly retroactively tried to staple that on there. Sure. Alright, Naughty Dog, why not? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Run with it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I kind of want to like I guess celebrate the games that are actually really clever with contextualizing how you can do things or why you're picking up something or whatever. But also kind of like looking back and thinking about how silly some of them, how some of them have just become mechanics that we just accept mm-hmm. in games. And Jess, you've told me while we were away that you actually managed to think of some extra stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you have something you have to praise or like just poke more fun at? No, I'm not really poking fun. And I guess I've interpreted the question slightly differently to yours. But I guess, mm. um, I guess, so I've thought about a couple of different ones. Um and, I mean, one of them we'll, we'll talk about when you, I think, start talking, because one was that you suggested, which was Batman, which I also just wrote down as a, as a note. Um, but I also thought about uh, things like Horizon Zero Dawn, um, where Aloy's kind of special thing is like her relationship with that technology, I guess, and how her using that to perceive the world kind of makes, makes a lot of sense and makes sense with, like, the being in tune with beasts and stuff. So some of the extra cool things you can do I think Horizon. that's what... Yeah, I think... It's a convenient thing if you can, like, have, like, just a little bit of sci-fi in your story. Mm. You can explain so much away with a little technical doodad. Yeah, um, yeah and I mean, <laughs> um, I think a lot of, like, a lot of the games that I would suggest would kind of uh, bring that element into it. Like, I guess another one that comes to mind um, is kind of, uh, is Life is Strange, where it's about time travel because this is an interesting yeah um i didn't think of it until a little bit into 
into the discussion, but um, I feel like the time mechanic, like being able to turn back time, um, it's, yeah, I, I don't know, like, I don't know which came first, the, the narrative or the will make actual time manipulation part of a choice-based narrative, but... It was a pretty ingenious decision. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting use of it. Um, particularly when you lose the ability to do it, um, which kind of happens at a couple of points during the game, um, where it's like, yeah, this is the mechanic that you have been relying on for this whole time, and this is what makes the narrative special and what the whole thing is built around, and then suddenly you lose the ability to do it, um, which means you're just playing the game like a, I don't know, regular person would, and suddenly it feels really um, incapacitating, you've I guess. You've lost this kind of cushion that you've yeah. had. Well, you've had this kind of cushion you've been able to like rely mm. on. Um, so yeah, it's like quite impactful when it returns you to, I guess, the normal way that we are used to stories being told, like even choice-based stories. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I thought that was that was kind of an interesting one. Um, I have a couple more we could talk about, but I don't know if one of you wants to jump in. Hey Rob, we'll bounce, we'll bounce to you, then go back to Batman, I guess. Yeah, so... Because that's just sitting there in a very obvious corner right <laughs> at this point. Yeah, so for me, like, I also came from this from a different angle, because I sort of thought about... So I, I sort of came from, when I look at... So basically I think about the, the mapping in, in games, like the mapping that you do, you know, and, and, I, and I go back and I think of, like, really old RPG games like Wizardry, where... As you're playing, you basically in the box you got graph, you got grid paper, and so as you played the game, you you got a pencil and you drew on the on the grid to note where the structure of the levels, where traps were and whatnot, and then you sort of started seeing, and that made sense as like you know you're going on this adventure and you're actually making notes on paper, but then games started doing it automatically, so you're playing these RPGs that are map, doing the auto mapping for you, and it's like it feels a bit off in that it's sort of like they've taken that mechanic which is really helpful for you as a player but it sort of feels wrong in a narrative framing and then to sort of go full circle you come to the to like the Etrian Odyssey games on the DS on the DS and 3DS where part of it is actually doing that mapping but this time you're doing it on the touch screen so you're on the touch screen like as you're playing through you've got the 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 dungeon sort of appearing and then you have to go and manually add that map yourself and so the game is, is you're doing the journaling on that. And I think that really makes that game feel far more tactile than any of these other games, like your, like your Legend of Grimrocks or any of those other games, because you've got that tactical element, mm. but it's, it's with you. You don't have to fiddle around with notepaper. Like, it's like your adventuring yeah. journal. Something to think, Rob, was, are you like the one person who was really disappointed that the Wii U didn't become the biggest console? I love the Wii U. I... I got into I Etrian. enjoyed mine, but I got into it after the Wii U had sort of started its fade. So I never, I never had one. Because um, man, you had a lot of games where you could put X's on that touch screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, the, the DS I, had I, a bunch I, too. I, like hearing you talk about that, I think about the fact that um, like Phantom Hourglass did the same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it was not as long lasting, and it wasn't the whole map, but you could make little notes on you know where where things were. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that I've lamented, like, as, as Ninty moved on to the Switch, is like, well, you can't really do that kind of game anymore. There's, like, I remember plenty of gimmicky games using the DS touchscreen, but I always loved just what Etrian, the Etrian Odyssey games did with, with all of that mapping. 
and I just thought it was such like the perfect platform. And I've been sitting there playing the remake of the first one for the last like two years, <laughs> just working my way through and, and having it kick my butt. Mm. Um, Solid choice. Do you think aesthetics would play a role for this for you? Like, I mean, I, as a person with a very poor sense of direction, I actually kind of do appreciate that, like, the map is done for you. Sometimes it's like, wow, this is really complicated and 3D and visual, and surely it would work just as well if it looked like somebody had written it in a notebook. Yeah. I think that, is, that aesthetic framing is is really important, because it's always weird in, like, playing, like, you know, if I'm playing a sci-fi game, like, Doom, you know, the auto map was awesome, and so, like, yeah, you could believe that you've you know, your space marine has got some fancy got some tech. Google Glass on his face. Yeah. And, and you can believe that. That's totally believable and it works. But in, in like a fantasy role-playing game, you know, or maybe you cast a spell or something and, and, and have it do it. But that would be rad if they had a spell that, like a map that looked like it was just like these kind of flickering lights that like the wizard had kind of like thrown <laughs> into the sky. Oh, well, someone takes that idea and runs with it. I have no problems if with that. If you want to put a map as like glowing stars in a skybox, I would be all over it. I don't oh. know how practical that is actually to do, but that would be rad as. That would be, yeah, that would be, I mean, I, I put my technical developer hat on. That would be, that would be kind of an interesting challenge, but you could make that happen in the right setup. You just, like, look up to, like, see where you are in the world? Yeah. Like, t- just take, like, sailor navigation to, like, some very visual end game. Yeah. Yeah, constellations and whatnot. Yeah, you need... Except there's literally a drawing of a map in the sky. Just have it, like, yeah, automatic. Yeah. Oh. I think it's maybe not reasonable to ask the gamer to, like, learn how to navigate by stars <laughs> just for a video game. Isn't it? Why not? You look at everyone learning to, to fly on, on Flight Simulator, and you know, some people using that to go and actually take flying lessons to get their pilot's license. I feel like you know, I learned the witnesses... I doubt that number of people would be enough to hold that game afloat yeah. by themselves. <laughs> I feel like I learned the witnesses' weird puzzle system. Like, I can learn Celestial Navigation instead. Like, that's... It's like... <laughs> Feels like a better use of my time. Can you learn... I'm going to go into this. Can you learn to find clues just like Batman, though? Mm, I mean, I no. do not have the finances of Bruce Wayne, so it would be a no. challenge for me. No. Yeah, but if you were in like any game that has come out since Arkham Asylum, <laughs> true. The one thing I love because it made perfect mm. sense. Obviously, what we're talking about here in like Arkham Asylum is like you're playing this kind of mentally slightly crazy. I'm going to say billionaire vigilante. I, the last 10 years has become more and more apparent that Batman could have done a lot Bold more good. Bold statement by, you know, to say that Batman is the, like, quote-unquote on... crazy one in Batman. He is the crazy one in Batman. He probably should have just spent his money on reformation centres and, like... Oh, he should have! I don't think he made good choices. Reduced a lot more crime. <laughs> <laughs> um, Men said he made a crazy-ass suit and can fly around and, you know, like, totally makes sense with... If your character has billions of dollars to privately spend on sure. tech that you could, like, be able to highlight things and like find clues and like fast forward and rewind time but it's again like crazy how all these mechanics and they were good mechanics like they worked like it helped especially i like wonder how much of a visual design challenge it would be to like do some of this stuff in a way that looked natural but was still obvious enough for a player to see if you didn't have mechanic like this where like kind of just highlights everything that is importantly interactive in this stuff but man like so many games have done it since Mm. And so many of them are just like a dude in shorts and pants and like shorts and a t-shirt. I mean, so many games are just a dude in shorts and a t-shirt. It's just, you know. Yeah. Um. Or reverse, actually. The one I'm playing at the moment, um, which is shoot the last Tomb Raider and the Shadow of 
Tomb Raider. Yeah. Um, the reason the reason I um, well, it's the most recent one. It's not the one that um, Crystal Dynamics did. And the main reason uh, I right. chose Florence instead of this to talk about is, in many ways, it may as well just be called White Savior and the very scary Gollywog people with Scott with spears and feathers. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It, it gets a little bit problematic after a, a few valid hours. Criticism. Yes. Gets a little, gets a little out. This, yeah. Um, valid. But this one stuff a bit like that. That game, it's like this fascinating to me outside of that, in the sense that um, it's like, per- like almost mechanically perfect in like so many ways, like to a mm. fault. To a fault. And like nothing. And like it's it like oh, there's all these smooth mechanics, but none of them actually really seem to make sense. And like in some ways, I'm like wondering how much of this is. Like, just inherent, like, kind of growing up gender-based stereotypes or whatever. It's like, well, of course, you know, go back to Uncharted, Nathan Drake would be able to pull himself up there. Like, he's the men. He have their more upper body strength than women. Or, like, if it's... Or if it's because the situation's, like, even more ridiculous. Or I'm wondering even, like, about tonality. I mean, obviously the tone in that game is a big problem in itself. But, like, the scale in which these kind of ventures are, so we start we go back to the original Indiana mm. Jones and like these old traps are, like there's a boulder and it chases you and that's kind of it and it's like scary and mm. adult and like by the time we get to Tomb Raider you've done something that's going to cause a sun to explode <laughs> somehow by like tricking something in a temple like these things just get bigger and bigger and bigger so but like so some crazy stuff happens and it would actually go to the previous games as well I'd say they're better written because they're a lot less racist but you know, like, something crazy would happen, you know, Lara would be chased by a giant, like, maybe there's a tsunami and she's chased by whatever and, like, falls down a cliff and then she'd just be kind of, like, all, like... And something would just be impossible for any human being to live through. And then she'd all just be very, like, panicked, like, holy shit, holy shit, like, just kind of in panic. And, like, you take... But... And that frame... And, like, it kind of drags you out because, like, you're taking yourself too seriously. You have to... Whereas Uncharted's... Like, one of the great sequences in Uncharted 2 where you're, like, going through this building you've got, like, a helicopter, like, shooting at you the whole way... I think you and, Col- and you're like impossible platforming again. I think you eventually take it down and like you get out there and there's this point where like you've got Nathan, I think Chloe with him. And you just like watch his entire building just collapse. It just goes crashing down. But the reaction like this, I think this sells the believability within the world to me. Whereas like Drake is kind of like, huh? we, were, we were almost in that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Zach, just add a knowledge to like, just have fun with how stupid it is. Like, let your character enjoy the insanity of it goes a long way to, like, filling out the world for me. Well, I mean, oh. like, the classic example of that is Saints Row, right? Like, the Saints Row 3 and, and 4. Where oh, they just embrace the Saints Row 4 where you're mass. literally in a video game. Like, yeah, like, why why can any of the things that happened in Saints Row 3 or 4 happen, and yet they do? Like, you just suddenly in Saints Row 4 are a superhero. Like, it's... I mean, Saints Row 4 is literally in a video game, I think, at that I mean, point. That sure. literally just said, fuck it. But still... I mean, this makes me this makes me think of something that's more in a narrative one, and it's that Capcom Bionic Commando from two thousand and nine. Which that yeah. that I remember that the let's spoil a twelve year old game because the whole story behind it is just ridiculous. The whole your bionic tech needs the soul of someone to go in, so the whole story your your grumbly angry man is is you know. Where's my wife or whatever? And it turns out <laughs> the wife's soul is in the was in the bionic arm, and it's just like okay, sure. <laughs> Why not? Like it's yeah, it's like it's this thing of ridiculousness. It's just like 
it's face part ridiculous. It's not fun ridiculous, like the the example from Uncharted. It's just like, why? <laughs> why did I? I bought that game on discount, so I got it ridiculously cheap, and I still feel ripped off. <laughs> it's never a good sign when that happens. That's actually kind of like a weird reverse to how things, because I, I tried to think about platformers generically for a little bit, and I was like, no, I think you just have to accept that this game was built around the concept of jumping puzzles, and like, there's yeah. no need to explain why you can jump so high. But the fact that you can't jump at all in Bionic Commando is one that, like, do they ever try and tackle that? Because that seems like a... No! They... So... When they did that, they did that Rearmed, which is the remake of the, the NES game. And then they did a sequel mm. to Rearmed. And Rearmed is awesome. Rearmed 2, not so much. But in Rearmed 2, you can jump. I never played it. Because it was, it was only on... I think it was only on PC. It wasn't on 360 or PS3. I don't think it made very much noise. I, they, yeah. I don't even... I'm not even sure. I remember, I remember, I remember Rearmed very clearly, but I don't remember Yeah, it didn't, it didn't make much noise. I think the... Because it came out after the the 2009 game did so i think it that just that sunk everything but yeah you could jump in that i mean it's the same problem with like, mass effect right like why can't you jump in mass effect yeah yeah i mean you've got you know you got fancy spacesuits yeah the back i would jump. i would guess that it would jump. look it's very difficult to have realistic looking people in a 3d space jump and have it not look ridiculous oh sure but just narratively it makes no sense it, it, yeah, it does make no sense of why can't Shepard... Shepard can do everything! Guess... Why can't they jump? <laughs> why can't they have a speed? Why Why can't... The, the, the Mako has boosters. Why can't they do a, like, reverse of that Portal 2 joke at the very beginning, which I freaking loved so much. I actually forget exactly what, what it was, but they ask you to talk, they say something, there's a space, press space bar, and then you just jump <laughs> instead. <laughs> oh, I haven't played that in so long. I <sighs> Actually, the portal gun's actually a pretty good example of that. It's like, got, go back to, um, not the portal gun or even the gravity gun. Mm. Actually, in Half-Life 2, again, where it's like just very conveniently explained. I feel like a lot of stuff is explained just because we don't, know, they know that people, 99.9% .9 of people don't understand how technology works. <laughs> yeah. And the crux of getting the gravity gun right was just thinking of the name gravity gun. It's a pretty good name. And once you had that, everything else just kind of falls in place. And because we saw so many weird, like very similar physics-y things, but it was never quite as logical as the fucking gravity gun because it was a gravity gun. Like it made sense. It pulled things and it threw them away. Yeah. Yep. And then through that, it like created a whole bunch of like really cool, like that Ravenholm level. Yeah. Like, where, oh. like, just you instinctively learn, like, right off the bat. You pull those razor blades towards you, and then you cut those zombies in half when they're, like, ten meters away from you. That was such a cool use of just, like, you learn those mechanics, you just, just use them. It was so cool. And it was, like, beautifully contextualized, and I feel like so many games since then, like, would try to do similar things, but there was always just, like, you magically had psychic powers for, like, very poorly explained reasons or whatever. Mm. I guess fantasy can always just fall back on magic. Yeah. It's true. Magic does cover everything. Even... I mean, it is literally... Um, magic. I've actually just thought of a weird thing for platformers, though, which suddenly occurred to me, like, oh, Sonic turning into a ball when he jumps as a kid, like, helped me explain why he could, like, attack from underneath or above without having to jump on top. I'm not so sure if that was something that was really considered in design, but I think that, like, helped me. Cool. Help me accept, like, the mechanics being slightly different to what you would expected from a platformer up until then. I like that. 
or stupid shit like tails spinning his tails like a helicopter and then all the characters after that they just didn't give a fuck anymore and they were just doing whatever <laughs> they were like what we had several original ideas do you want others no it's fine. <laughs> no we just want another one of these games next year because they keep on making money at Christmas mm-hmm. time don't take any more time thinking about yeah. it in fact please oh, don't yeah. please don't think about it just make this again Um, so it's something I'll give credit to a lot of Japanese games for um, mm-hmm. I think particularly Vanquish but also Met- Metroid which I, I guess ha- gets handled by western developers sometimes now like Mega Man I just think he's like a really cute way around the whole surely a man cannot carry 20 guns so it's just one gun that just transforms it's true that is clever or it's often like just a part of your arm it's like magic is it actually a fireball is, is Mega Man shooting fireballs or is it actually a gun on his arm I always, always thought it was. I always thought it was the gun. Oh, well, maybe, I, I'm sure it's yeah. a gun. I'm sure yeah. it's a gun. But like, it, it, it's a difference. In, like a lot of the time, you notice with a Japanese design, it's like kind of like a part of their body. It's an extension, as opposed to a thing you pick up. Yeah. Yeah, I think. But yeah. I, I kind of. Go. Sorry, Jess. No, no. I was gonna change the. Nope. We have an awkward impasse. Sorry, okay. Go. I was like, I kind of want to see more Western developers getting that, because, like, Halo bought two things. It bought the recharging health, and it got rid of the ability to carry all the guns at the same time. And I personally, just from what I want to play, I want... I don't... I actually kind of like the mechanical pacing that um, having to collect medkits brings with it, but I want to carry all of the guns. Of those two unrealistic things, I want the, I want the all of the guns one. That's fair. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of the Japanese games with, like, the just transforming rifles kind of would help explain that away. Mm. So, like, having all of the guns allows you to... I guess in my head, at least, like, allows you to, like, mix and match, match some puzzle puzzles into your shooting if you can, like, take for granted that they may have these four weapons during this one level without having to hope that they remember to pick it up when they killed the enemy that was holding it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That was a weird. That was a weird step. Backwards. <laughs> no. I mean, like, yeah. That's why it's like it's one of those things I loved with the original Unreal Tournament. There was that gun, the the AS. I forgot, but it was like you. It had two shots. The primary shot was like a sort of beam, like a beam, a, like a, an energy bolt, and the second shot, which was fast, and the second the second mode was like this blow of energy. No, oh, I think the shock rifle, and then you and you could do this thing where you shot the slow shot waited a bit then fired the primary shot at the secondary shot and it would blow up like it like a yeah, like a shock wave this is why you need to carry all the guns because if you like in, in in all very silly seriousness if that's a sentence that makes any sense because if you have that gun but you can only carry two guns you're not going to carry that gun yeah but if you can carry all of the guns you will carry that gun and you will sometimes use that gun and it's going to create some like really interesting design possibilities yeah like, like all the weapons in in original Unreal Tournament were amazing for that. Like that, like being able to being able to carry them all at any point and just switch. You just had so much freedom. I really, I do miss that as well. Um, Ooh, Robert Vash, I got a question for you. Seems very pertinent for you. Um, how do you feel about like, let's say, horses having a GPS in them these days? <laughs> No, like, I noticed, just... like, after, like, the first game with a car GPS, which made sense, and even, like, sure, draw it along the road, it helps the gameplay or whatever. Immediately following that, like, no ma- like the GPS was standard. It did not matter how logical it was in the world. Like, 
yeah, no, it just it just feels wrong. Like, see, that would be like I could imagine, you know, have a compass, and you could you could you could do a thing where you've got you you stop, you pull out your map, you pull out your compass, and then you manually work it out. And I remember playing. I think like, I'd, oh, go ahead. I think I'd even accept like just the mechanic where the character pulls out his compass and he looks at it, and like you kind of get like a shadowy kind of thing in the direction you need to go. So at least you feel like the characters figured it out as opposed yeah. to. That that would be really cool to do that. Like I remember playing Operation Flashpoint for forever ago, and that you know that's eighties Cold War, and you you had to pull out the map and do all that stuff and listen to the grid coordinates that you had to like sort of use all of that stuff to work your way through. There was there's one mission in that game where your your squad is involved in an attack that goes wrong, and you basically you basically get hunted down by the enemy. And you're the sole survivor and you start off in this forest. And you've got to make your way through the forest. And like, you've got like minimal ammo and stuff because, you know, it's whatever you had left from the previous mission. Sneaking through, like using the map and trying to work out how to get to like a couple of rendezvous points, which changes the mission progresses. Right, I'm actually wondering if you're one of the few people I could actually sell Shenmue to at this point. I bought the, I the like pack... Sh- I bought the pack of the first two on, on the, the PS4 reissue. I really need to make time and give them a shot. Because, um, I mean, they, they have definitely aged. I don't know how it's going to like go if you weren't there at the time, but man, it's Shenmue 2 in particular in this regard. And it's still, like, kind of... It's like a lot of modern conveniences, I think, would break what makes Shenmue work. And a huge part of it is, like, your main verb is not punch. I mean, you are a martial artist, but your main verb is talk. You're just trying to gather information and find stuff. But that means it's Shenmue 2, and for a game that came out, like, 2000, 2001 or whatever... It was freaking nuts. You could, like, walk up to any store owner and, like, ask for, like, where you needed to go. And they'd be like, oh, yes, you go to the end of the street and you take a left. And when you see X store, it'll be in front of it. And, like, so many of the NPCs would give you directions or, like, you would follow them. And you actually had to buy maps from, like, tourist stands. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so... I will will have to... Like I said, I bought the... This sounds very you. I don't know how many people (laughs) listening to this are sold by that. I've... I will. I'll give it. Like I said, I bought the the the, the reissue on PS4, so I'll have to give. I'll have to. I hope that runs. On, I hope that works on the backwards compatibility. Or I have to, um, to it, dust it off better. the PS4 Pro and set that back up again. <laughs> um, no, the, the more elegant thing I was thinking of before that occurred to me was I was like, I, I still haven't actually played it, but Ghost of Tsushima. Like I love the sound of their, their um, solution to that, which is they would just have the wind blow in the direction that you need to go. That sounds really. cool. And it strikes me as like an aesthetic thematic just beautifully appropriate very subtle way to like kind of guide you through an open world without the need to literally draw a line for you to follow it's kind of like hovering above different to my assassin's creed horse that just for no reason follows pathways <laughs> just never uh, met a horse that's, that's that well behaved I... I just <laughs> oh, God. that reminds you of the, of the towers you know doing the, the towers like you know the leap of faith mm. off the towers in Assassin's Creed mm. it was always like <laughs> yeah you just like when you jump off the tower you suddenly manage to perceive literally no. everything that's going on around you as you're falling to maybe your death I Question find it mark. weird that it that it happens after you jump and not when you get yeah, to the no. top no it's not until like, you are I, fully I get, in I, I do get the see death before you I get the because <laughs> I get the basic logic of you yeah. go to a vantage point and then you can see where sure, stuff yeah. is. That makes totally. sense, but it's always a jumping off <laughs> that you need to do it. And of course, you always just magically land in the, in the yeah. bales, in the hay bales. I'm not convinced that landing in a hay bale would provide you with that much cushioning, to be honest. No, no. but I will say it is 
not from it that is, high. It is, it is pretty fun to do in a video sure. game. I would not recommend yeah. in real life. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's good. Um, it's just, yeah. I think, at least in the newer ones, it tends to be now when you climb to the top and you do, like, the pan of the whole world is that it happens then and the world kind of falls, like, fills in as you're looking around. Um, which I like a lot better than the idea that you're just, I don't know, falling to your death and you're like, haha, I can see everything. Um, even though that doesn't make sense. I really, really want to do those really high falls in, like, VR, though. I bet that would be super fun. Would it, or would it make you just vomit? Because it feels like maybe it would make me just vomit. Um. I think vomit train. No, no, I've figured out my triggers for vomiting in VR, and it's like actually using a camera on a thumbstick. That is what breaks my head. Yeah, it's bad. If it is just me looking around naturally, then I'll be fine, even if it's doing... Even if, like, say I'm one of the rats in a plague tale, I think I'd be okay as long as I wasn't using a stick as a camera. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how my body would cope with the absolute disconnect of, like, not falling, but thinking I was falling. It seems like a lot. I don't know. They've definitely done studies into it, 100%. One of those ones that got me was I was playing a dungeon crawl that was on um, PSVR, and the head bob Mm. was what got me. Because it was this really exaggerated head bob when you move forward. Why would they do that in VR when you have your own head? Like, there are certain things, like, why do you <laughs> keep you on doing the substitute head. when the real one... <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> That's a very way, weird way of phrase it, yes, thank you. It guys. was, yeah, and that was just like, nope. And, like, I've never played a, a, a good modern VR experience that made me feel like that other than that game. Wow. I mean, even when I when I wrote up Doom 3, um, which I actually found myself kind of impressed with. Like, that... I thought might make me feel a bit off, and it took a bit of tuning. But once I tuned it in, it felt it felt pretty good. Okay. And that's like that wasn't teleport movement. That was just like proper movement. Wow. Like you know, you looked around and then you you moved, mm. and then you just had a control that let you sort of recenter so that you know you're doing this as I'm turning off to the side, which you no know, one can see, and then yep. and then recenter the, the the view, and it was all it was all good. I yeah, even that that would that 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 recentering and um looking. Yeah, that's what apparently is my button in VR. We, we should probably just have a vomit episode maybe. I've got a l- <laughs> yeah. last couple of things that I didn't think about. <laughs> which is, like, it's kind of fortunate for, um, in something like the Spider-Man just seems like such a perfect video game character. 100%, yeah. He's already Spider-Man, the fiction's already there, he's already got these ridiculous abilities right down to the spider senses, which I feel like would let you get away with almost anything. Yeah. And he's very convenient, like, swinging no, so- across the city that's built in. Yep. 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 It's like just you. You just take for granted the web is attached to something because the movies and the comics have been doing it for years. Yep. Well, um, in the new one, they kind of do have to be attached to something. It's not quite like the old. Uh, well, I played it on GameCube, um, Spider-Man Two what? game, where you just attach to Spider-Man the Two, sky. where you lit like just it's in this cloud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which was a great game, but like you really did just attach to the sky. No, I also want to bring this, like, back again to, um, Double Fine, because, I mean, obviously, like, Psychonauts, like, the entire game is built around that stuff, but, like, say what you will about it. I actually really liked it, but I, I get that some people feel there's, like, a little too many different genres in the, um, mix there, but, like, Brutal Legend was actually very clever with this stuff. Like, the way it tied everything, um, to those things, like, the first time you come across the headbangers... Okay, just what do you do with a bunch of guys who don't know how to do anything, bash their heads all day, and, like, you... And I think they're a unit that you use to, like, actually their heads just kind of bash through walls. Like, they're literally, like, all these, like, just dripping in this kind of, like, hard rock and metal culture and just found ways in which to build a world around it. Mm. Um, like, superpowers, like, you could, like, 
play a guitar solo and then a literal Led Zeppelin will come like crashing into the battlefield. <laughs> so cool. Or like just the nature of all the vehicles, like obviously the main rock is like that kind of main car that you have, but you get to another part and all of a sudden you're like riding around on a panther that can shoot lasers from its eyes and it all just works so well within that world and like all of the units within that RTS stuff, which again was like very touch and go for people. But... You didn't have to, I guess, like the RTS parts of this game, but you had to, like, appreciate the creativity that went into making sure that all of these units had a place in that world. Mm. And that it all, like, fit in so well, and it's a shame that we'll never have a Brutal Legend 2, actually. (laughs) I was going to say it's a shame that, like, we don't get more RTS games that are, like, that creative. With that, but I actually just want another Brutal Legend. I don't even care what genre <laughs> it is necessarily. You can like do five more different genres at the same time and I'll still give it a Why go. Why not? Dream big. Dream big. Oh, Microsoft owns them now. Maybe you can just say, hey, you want me to start making a game tomorrow? Let me do yeah. this one. Why not? Psychonauts was a long, long I time coming. Microsoft may I have think some... a lot of people wrote it off and then. Yeah, I think Psychonauts has a bigger cult following than Brutal Legend, though. Yeah. Anything is possible. I love that I love that you are somehow super apathetic but also very optimistic at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like your apathy is like is is the basis of possibility. Yeah, I don't know. Um it's just See this yeah, I don't know, it's just like making anything possible. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah, I mean nobody nobody can predict anything anymore is really what I feel the world has yeah. come to. So That's I got Shenmue three. Shenmue three, weird weird shit could happen. Exactly. Shenmue three came out. Yeah, I mean, any anything can happen. Shenmue three, Psychonauts two. I feel like there are other really obvious um, examples that I'm forgetting, but it's you know. Oh, like whole genre genre resurgences have like come and gone. Like Metroidvania is popular again. It's true. It's true. Space combat games have come back. They have. Yeah. Uh, Rob, do you have any last examples before we start to Ooh. be it a cool thing or just like a dumb thing that like must have made sense once but now you can just do for some reason in every game ever? Uh, see, I always loved the way the way that um, System Shock brought like the whole environment, the whole interface thing, you know, your character being su- having massive surgery that requires you to heal for six months to have a whole cybernetic <laughs> interface installed and that, you know, as you went through the game, you picked up modules to install with, like, other features, but also little mini-games. So you could sit there while you're walking through the damn space station getting attacked, find a quiet spot and play some space pong in a little corner of your HUD. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what brings up... Man, should have just bought an iPhone in Florence, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Sure, get pong installed into your face. <laughs> But I always, I always loved like seeing that. You know, I always remember um, Commander Keen had a little. One of the Commander Keens had the pong game in the. Oh damn! In the pogo stick. <laughs> yeah, yes. There is a platform where that had a rationale for being able to get high. <laughs> By which I mean the physically high, not the the, yeah. the other high. Yeah. But yeah, I always like, and then you see games that you know try to do like, you know. I remember, like, the way Half-Life did it, sort of building on with, you know, the suit, and when you didn't have a HUD at all until you actually w- walked into that part of the, the facility and put the suit on, and it all powered up. It's like... Yeah. It, it's, that was a cool little moment, actually. I wish I could play Half-Life again for the first time. There was just... There was just something about it at that point that just hit really well. Um, 
How would you feel knowing yeah, I this... never played it? <laughs> well, you should go Clearly, play. It. I should play. Actually, I don't. The I don't know how well the. I bet. I bet Half Life Two has probably held up pretty well. I don't know about the first one. I, I played I like Mace play... a few years ago, and it had too much jumpy platformy stuff. Yeah, from that this has not held up. That at was all. that was the worst part. Um, like I'd almost say Half Life Two, though I think is probably still pretty good. Yeah, although I'd wonder if it's worth playing Black Mesa, which was the Black Mesa was what I was playing, and oh. some back when it first came, like it came out a while ago now. Oh yeah, and that platformy stuff is it's still, still there just as bad. Great. Yeah, it's not great. Um, yeah, um, like until that point, yeah, Half Life was so good, but yeah, I. I I haven't played it in so long, but it's like, yeah, just that final sequence. Uh, do not want. Yeah, it's weird that the Half-Life games are actually pretty good examples of a lot of this stuff, and yet it still is, you're a, like, physics scientist or something who magically is really good with firearms. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> That's... Yeah, funny that. I, think it was, I still haven't actually played the full of Resident Evil Village, but I think there's, like, a throwaway line so in there about military training as well. <laughs> like, just kind of, like, just quickly get that in there. <laughs> that was an excellent game. That was that was what would have I, been uh, my game of the year until uh, Psychonauts happened. Psychonauts. And then next month, Life is Strange <laughs> will happen. The, that... So like, who knows? But yeah. <laughs> yeah, the demo of that game is making me really want to move on. I still have an edge lit TV. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Which does not work great with. I mean, it's a very specific technical thing I've just mentioned, but it when you have a lot of really dark mm-hmm. spaces. The kind of lighting to light up the TV really shows in on the sides quite a bit. You kind of got this like nice little white border mm. almost happening down the sides of the screen. It kind of eats into the atmosphere yeah, a little bit. Probably Ooh. still good though. But anyway, on that, on that, yeah, on that, on that horror bench mm. though, um, I kind of want to guess give props to the original Dead Space, mm. which I think very cleverly thought about its protagonist, thought about the kind of tools and like that very workmanlike kind of gruesome killing abilities you would have and built an entire series of monsters around the concept of dismemberment mm. because this guy was going to be using buzz saws and nail guns and shit so it's it's not that they thought about his abilities they thought about what could this kind of person do within the exaggerate still exaggerated confines of this kind of action sci-fi horror mm. thing all right let's create some stuff that he can kill and i think they did it really well I think that that's that's fair. They they did. They certainly built a series of el- um, enemies that I was compelled to dismember. Um, <laughs> Cut their legs <laughs> off, and then <laughs> they are the weird pokey outfits. Yeah. Um, and then they'd ruined it by Dead Space Three. But they also had a really cool thing in that the health was like the health meter was like built into the suit, and even in like oh, it was a very good visual flourish. Of that game is like held up as being one of the best the ones u- because it's yeah. It, it, yeah, no, that was actually really mm. clever. Um, Probably struggle to do that in the first person yeah. game, but... Yeah. Um, I would now like to present to you also for comment, not necessarily, right. um, I'm not suggesting either way. Well, this is going to be a closing offering okay. because it's getting late. All right, it, I would like to present to you Just. all of Ace Attorney. Hmm. <laughs> the entire Ace Attorney series. Hmm. Because yeah, I've actually not played that okay. many of them, but well, I I mean, I'm still in love with the very first one. There's a lot of really weird stuff that goes on in the Ace Attorney games, and I feel like at some point yes. they're kind of just like weird mysticism. That's why, and you're like, is it though? Is that even if it is weird mysticism or whatever it is that they're going for, is that possible? Um, and I, I think for the first few, it kind of made a bit of sense because you were like, 
Sure. I feel like as a lawyer, you would be compelled to provide sufficient yeah. evidence. Yeah, absolutely. For anything. Um, and I feel like they don't quite understand, I don't know, court systems in general for games that are based around the law. Um, well, I mean, you've got one, it's Japanese law is different. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Two, they probably sure, sure, sure. do understand and then just don't care when it's convenient because the drama is more important yeah, than I mean, the accuracy. Most of the games are like a bit confused about where exactly they are set and what kind of world they are inhabiting. I don't know. I love them. I'd yeah, like to preface this by saying... I don't know if that's translation or Japanese. It, I don't know. Um, like, I love the whole series. I think they're absurd, but I, I love them. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like, they get increasingly weird mechanics to... And they try and kind of explain it away. Like, you get the ability to kind of revisit scenes before someone has died or like the scene of their death and then sometimes you're like feeling feelings associated with the statements that people are saying and it's supposed to be because of the weird AI that's with you and it just I don't know I feel like they they make some leaps um to make their mechanics make sense to try and they should look at Florence and instead of trying to have all the mechanics be about advancing stories, sometimes just having it more about empathy which would actually potentially work very well if you're dealing with murder cases and stuff um I feel like that was supposed to be the closing one, but I also just want to say that I think that I, I continue to believe that there should be every opportunity for a good Sherlock Holmes game to exist and for the mechanics behind the whole of Sherlock Holmes' like deduction thing to form the basis of a good game, and it's just yet to happen for me. Um, that there's never been a good Sherlock Holmes adventure no. game, like during, even the heyday of that genre, is kind yeah, of Yeah, it is, because there should be. Because it should just make sense, and I just want it to. Um, yep. That's that's the main mechanic I want to see done well in a game is Sherlock Holmes' abilities of deduction. I said so this last, but I've you reminded me of something <laughs> that Rob said earlier. If you want to go back to um System Shock, specifically System Shock Two, which is I think the first game I played that had like audio logs in it. And man, audio logs have become a plague in video games. Mm-hmm. But specifically, I want to just. Not going to be as controversial as what I was saying during the break, but man, I do put up Bioshock as a little bit overrated. And one of the things that annoyed the crap out of me about that game was the idea that your character was carrying around this gigantic reel-to-reel tape deck. <laughs> do you not do that in your day-to-day life? Throughout this, like, decrepit city and, like, people were recording their thoughts on these gigantic cars, steampunk. Like, there are so many better ways to do it. Like, The Darkness came out the same year. And they probably... And it had this one moment where you kind of had this flashback. I guess it was a personal one in that game, but... I think they probably could have gone away with this in um, Bioshock and it would have been less absurd than carrying around that hulking thing, which is um, simply... The memories kind of come back as ghosts. Sure. So you just kind of get these kind of watery, like, hazy-type things coming back at you. And that and that was actually a really elegant way to, like, actually like kind of relive that character's past. Yeah. And I want to see more of that and less stupid, oh, I found this CD that somebody recorded all their thoughts on because that... Is so fucking dumb. There was a, another weird one, um, Splinter Cell Conviction, where you had the stuff written on the wall to like navigate you through the level. Mm. Oh yeah, that was actually cool. <laughs> I kind of liked it. It was cool because it was just so open about yeah. it. It was just straight up. This is what it is. Yeah, Bang. it's so cool, but it was so weird. But like, it worked really well. I kind of really liked that as sort of. Yeah, it was, I think it was just like straight up. This is this is aiming to imitate cinema more than it is. Life. Yeah. Like, that's cool. And when it lent into that, it was that was totally fine. Anyway, that is now my fault that we're running over <laughs> times. 
This is what happens when you bring me um, on. It's always me. I always do this. Because you, you encourage me. You just kind of go, cool, cool. And I go, yes, it is cool. I will keep on talking. Just, just saying I am cool. I'm listening to yeah. Oh, no. All right. Anyway, um, Rob, thank you very much for coming on and reminding me about my pet peeve about audio logs. Oh, I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> yeah, I'll get over it. And Jess, don't worry, you are still a ray of sunshine. Oh, thank you. They're in your white hot light. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to sleep after sitting in that room. Yeah, no. I'll be wide awake for hours, just wired. Yep. Just completely. Well, time doesn't time matter doesn't anymore. Time doesn't matter. I mean, so who cares? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, Jess, do you have anything you wish to, wish to pimp before we wrap this thing um, up? No, I mean, you know, check out Player 2. I've been reviewing quite a lot of uh, games lately. Um, most, you know... Her, her Psychonauts oh. review is actually pretty oh, good. It's actually pretty oh, good. Yes. Thanks for your... But you're like, all her other ones are terrible, but the Psychonauts Fair. one is actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, so, you know, check out check out Player 2 um, for some more of my writing, if my thoughts are things that you want to know about. <laughs> I don't know about. And I'm Rob. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot to give you a chance. Do you have any um, articles or a Twitter handle or whatever you want to pin? Uh, I think if you like sort of a little more insightful looks at sort of unique old games, I, I, I shall pimp the YouTube's um, YouTube.com/slash/Hellfire64, um, which is where I throw up video stuff, kind of sort of essay-ish on sort of slightly out there older games. Um, as we're recording, I mean, you heard him over the course of this episode. This man plays some older games. He's literally <laughs> talking about at. He actually used. He's the one person I now know who actually used that friggin' map that you got given to draw on in some instruction manuals. Um, yeah, I spent. I just put out a video a few days ago as we're recording this that was a bunch of games for the Commodore sixty four that were released in the early two thousands that no one really talks about. I go into weird nerdy stuff like that. So, so cool. if that sounds kind of interesting, there's a very specific cut, and the people who are interested in it will be very interested in <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Little, little, little bit of history that never really gets talked about. I kind of like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I feel like no, I want to also. Does actually sound um, just while we're while we're doing this, I'll chuck in my Twitter handle if people want the thoughts without the article reading. Um, you could <laughs> find me on Twitter um, at Zamet Jess. I, I like it when people have the real names. Yeah, that's... I do not have my real name. My name is way too common. Yeah. I think 2011 was already too late. I think that's when I registered a Twitter handle that was already... Upsetting. Every real name that wasn't Quasar begone <laughs> was basically taken at that point. Um, yeah, I'm at PretendBeard. I have that basically everywhere. Amazing. And... I see, though, that yes, you have a very real beard right I love now. This. Yeah, I, I go back to regular work later this week, so I'm going to have to at least neaten this up a little bit. Um... Yeah, anyway, unimportant, but whatever the show is finishing now is that name actually good.